Welcome to the Focus Forward Business Podcast for SturdyMcKee.com. How's your business going? I mean, really going. If your answer is, well, some of it's great, and well, some of it's not so great, then the first thing you need to know is you are not alone. And there is a way to get more great and less not so great. So check out the 12 Focus Forward Pillars at SturdyCoaching.com. The 12 Focus Forward Pillars are the structure that you need in your business to give you the time and space to pursue your business passion. That's the 12 Focus Forward Pillars at SturdyCoaching.com. Hey, welcome and thank you for listening or watching the Focus Forward Business Podcast, uh, where we share the journeys and stories and lessons of amazing entrepreneurs. I'm Sturdy McKee. I help business owners bring structure out of chaos and make profit while making the world a better place. And I'm your host. Um, Today, I'm really happy to bring you Renee Rouleau. Renee is the founder and CEO of Renee Rouleau Skincare, and she is an OG in the world of skincare. Um, (laughs) So thanks very much for being here, Renee. Appreciate it. Thanks, Sturdy. Happy to be here. Thanks. So will you tell our listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I am an entrepreneur. Um, I own um, my company's based in Austin, Texas. And um, uh, this August, I'll be celebrating 25 years in business. So a quarter century ago, I started my company when I was of the ripe age of 26 years old. So I started out as an esthetician, which is a facialist. My grandmother was a hairstylist, and she owned her own hair salon growing up. And so I grew up in the beauty environment, but I was more into the skincare part and kind of the science of skincare ingredients. And just, it was just uh, more interesting to me than, than cutting hair. And so I became an esthetician. And then shortly after I uh, started my first skincare business with a coworker, had that for five years. I was living up in Boston, Massachusetts at the time. So I had that there. And then uh, decided to move down south and sold my half of the company in 1996 and then started Renee Rollo in Dallas and had my company there for 19 years and then six years ago relocated my company to Austin, Texas and we now currently have um, 11,000 square feet of office and warehouse space here in Austin and we uh, have a team of 18 uh, almost 19 people about to hire someone else. So 19 people and yeah, we're doing great. We sell skincare products. And so we are hundred percent e-commerce. I started e-commerce in 1999. So a long time ago I did, uh, I started out my company having skincare spas in Dallas. So we actually did skincare treatments and I hired estheticians. I started developing the skincare line and then fast forward to, two and a half years ago when we shut down both spa locations and now we're exclusively a product company. And the goal was to always get to be a full-time e-commerce company. And so we finally are, and we ship all over the world and I'm not in any retail stores and that's a strategic decision, but we do very well online. And certainly uh, dur- during the pandemic, we thrived because everybody was shopping online and they were at home and taking care of their skin and whatnot. So <laughs> Very uh, prescient. So, so your your current business, really, re, excuse me, Renee Rouleau Skincare, was not your first business. What what did? Tell me well, a no, about uh, when you got started and how you got started. Yeah. So um, the other, the first business was also a skincare business. So I mm-hmm. had a, I was working as an esthetician, and then I had a coworker 
um, who was my mentor because I had just gotten out of school from being an esthetician. Right. And I was, you know, she uh, worked at the salon. She had been an esthetician for about 15 years already. And so she kind of took me under her wing and trained me. And then she always wanted to open up her own business, but then, um, but she had two young children and didn't want to do it by herself. And so she said, you know, we get along so well, do you want to open up a business together? And, you know, I'm 21 years old and I'm like, sure, sounds like fun. And just, you know, that's the nice thing about starting a business when you're young, you're just naive and fearless and you're like, oh, cool. Yeah, let's do that. And uh, anyway, uh, so we opened up that business and then I had that from age 21 to 26, did very well, um, but just for personal reasons, just wanted to get out of the East Coast. And so, so, and, and her and I are still super great friends. So we had a great partnership, unlike a lot of partnerships that happen in the business world. We were one of the lucky ones. We no drama and we got along really well. And uh, yeah, but then now had uh, star Renee Rouleau and yeah, quarter century old. Well, congratulations too, by the way, on Thanks. 25 years. That's a big, big milestone. It um, sure is. So when you transitioned down to Dallas and you started your own, you know, by yourself what tell, tell me a little bit about that how you got started and you know if you had maybe if you're looking back you would have wanted to do anything a little bit differently well I uh let's see no no real big mistakes um but I took out a loan from a bank so that's how I got funding I sold my half of the business so I did get money from from my half, but they were paying me out over a couple years in installments. So I still needed extra money. So I took out a loan for the, sure. from the bank and I was glad I did that. I actually asked my dad for money and he said no. And he was, you know, somebody that just believed you kind of find your own way. And in hindsight, I'm glad I didn't because that would have given my dad permission to be a micromanager for me. <laughs> and so <laughs> it kind of was nice. And he's already that way a little bit anyway, because he's been very successful in business. And, you know, so that was kind of like a good boundary. It was like, all right, good. He doesn't have a say in the matter. So I think just going to the bank and funding it myself was was a, a good decision in hindsight. So cool. even at 26. Huh? Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So um, I mean, so why did you, when you moved down, you didn't even consider working somewhere else? You just knew you wanted to start a, start a business? Yeah. Yeah. I had already been, you know, in the entrepreneurial world for five years. So I already kind of knew how to do it. And I knew it was a, a success and knew how to make it a success. So yeah, I didn't even, I never even thought of working for someone else at that, you know, you know, and I think that's, you know, the thing with, true entrepreneurs, we're kind of unemployable, right? We, we don't really, you know, we, we don't really work well for others. So I just didn't see it as as any other way. It's like my way or the highway, that's kind of how I roll, so. So how has your brand evolved over that time period? That's been quite a quite a span with a lot of changes in the, in the environment and all. Um, and I'm really interested to know how you've been able to differentiate your brand and what is, well, at least now, a really super competitive market. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So it's a great question. So first of all, I'm lucky that I'm in an industry where literally every person on the planet is a potential customer, right? Everybody skin. has skin, you know, so it's not. So yes, there's a lot of competition, but there's also, you know, a large part of the population who needs what we what we do. I mean, even if 
you know, even men who typically don't do as much, but still they, they want to wash their face and, you know, once in a while throw a little moisturizer on or something if their skin gets dry. But so everyone's a potential customer. So that makes it nice. Um, but with that being said, it is always about, you know, you always have to separate yourself. You know, you need to be able to give your elevator pitch, right? So like mm -hmm. in three sentences, how are we different from everyone else? So for me, I'll, it's a little longer than three sentences. But what happened was when I went to school to become an esthetician, you learn in school about skin types. And the three skin types are dry, normal, and oily skin. So that was the classification of skin. So skincare products were geared toward that, right? Here's a cleanser for oily skin, normal skin, dry skin, a moisturizer for dry, normal, oily, et cetera. So it was very basic. So I, when I became an esthetician, started working with clients, all of a sudden I'm looking at their skin and I'm like, wait a minute, you've got a little something more going on here than dry, normal and oily. And the skincare line that I was selling at the first salon that I worked at, you know, again, cater to dry, normal and oily. And people had, you know, you had people who were adults that were still getting breakouts. You had a skin condition called rosacea. You have people mm -hmm. that have brown spots, sunspots, you know, certainly wrinkles. You have, you know, there's all different types of sensitivities. And it was like, wow, the skin is actually way more complicated. And a big part of being an esthetician, no, no different than being a personal trainer, which is you only see your client so often, but once they hit the road and go home, and back into their life, you know, they have to be doing the right thing. So in the case of a personal trainer, you know, a trainer, I mean, if, you know, if you're working out with a trainer a couple times a week, but then you're eating McDonald's for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, <laughs> the results aren't going to be that great with the trainer, right? So right. skincare is the same way, which is I work with a client for 75 minutes, but, you know, once they're released back in the wild, I need to make sure that they're following their program and doing the right things at home. So I always knew that at home was really where the magic was going to happen. Um, but, but knowing that the skin was more complicated, I said there needs to be something better than that. So I created a skincare line based on nine different skin types. So mm -hmm. I believe there's nine different skin types. And when people go to ReneeRillo.com, they can take the skin type quiz and get put into one of the nine skin types. So my skincare line has 50 products, but we have so many products because they have to spam the nine skin types. So, so early on, right out of the gate, that messaging really spoke to people because people were like, yeah, you know, like everyone's been speaking to me and just putting me in these three skin types. And my skin is a little more complicated than that. You know, it's oily in the summer, but dry in the winter or, you know, whatever. So, so that, you know, is how I started out. And then now 25 years later, you know, everything's evolved in, in terms of personalization, right? Our phones are all meant to, you know, personalize and give cater us, you know, cater things to our needs. Every, you know, every time you Google something or go on to Instagram, we're being served up content that is curated just for us that we'll like. So why shouldn't your skincare be the same? So now more than ever, people are looking for a personalized experience. And so my nine skin type philosophy, you know, has done really well because, you know, who knew the, you know, the world was going to be more about personalization. And now a lot of skincare brands are talking about personalization and customization, but mine was always that from day one. So I feel lucky that I was onto something early on. Yeah. It sounds like you've been ahead of the curve on a few things. Not yeah. Just, so that's awesome. So you're also quite the adventurer, right? Yeah. What's your, uh, what's your next big adventure? So I mean, from a personal standpoint, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, like, yeah. you can so, tell people that you've you've 
done some big motorcycle <laughs> groups for women. And, yeah. So I, um, uh, yeah, I definitely like a good thrill, something that gets my heart racing. And I think, you know, it's interesting because I was the, the youngest of four and you know, I, when I, and I always wonder sometimes like, how did I get kind of this wild kind of crazy side? Well, I realized it's cause I'm the youngest of the, of the four children. So point being, you know, the first child, right. You have the first child and everyone's, you know, micromanaging and they're like, turn that down, the baby's sleeping. And then when somebody, you know, handles your baby, they're like, oh, be careful, support the neck. You know, like, you know, it's like this fragile piece of glass, right? Well, second kid, third kid, now the fourth kid, they always say by the fourth kid, you let them juggle knives. So like, right. do you think anyone in my family was going, shh, Renee's sleeping. I mean, I have three <laughs> other siblings all running around the house. And then like when I'm being you know, handled, like, it's like a rag doll, my siblings are just yanking me around everywhere. And then it's like, you know, the firstborn child, they're like, don't touch the stove, it's hot. And then the fourth kid comes along, and I touch my hand on the stove, and blisters and burns, they're like, well, you learn, you, you won't do that again. <laughs> and so it's like, so I really kind of have thought a lot about that, about how just like, you know, it was the wild, wild west by the time it was the fourth kid. And so I've definitely always, I've read books on birth order before, and they talk about the youngest child will always bring the parents the most gray hair, um, but, and they'll always be the, the wild one, but they'll always be the most successful when it's all said and done. And I think it goes, you know, to me, a big theme of my life is being fearless. And, and that's ultimately how I live my life. I was kind of fearless because nobody was there to tell me not to be, you know, to be fearful, like the first child. So that's just always kind of been hardwired in me. And so, yeah, I ride motorcycles. I do cliff jumping here in Austin. I mean, nothing like super crazy. I'm not like a crazy daredevil, but I'm always looking for things. I just went on a, in February, went on a snowmobile trip, like on the highest mountains. And I mean, it was crazy. My heart was racing, but yeah, just always looking to get a thrill where I can get it. And I think with age, there's kind of like the term adulting, which is just like, you know, we have so much responsibility in life. You just can't do those fun things anymore, you know? And it's just like, why not? And, you know, it's just, I just, I don't know why I'm 51 years old and I'm like, why can't I still have fun at 51? Like, I don't need to hang it up at this point, you know? So yeah. So uh, adventures, I'm doing a, a big hike in Zion national park. Um, I am doing, um, doing some cliff jumping here in Austin this summer. Um, I don't Just know. I'm gonna, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. I'm, actually, I'm going to start learning how to skateboard um, that's going to be my new adventure. So I don't know. I just try to keep it interesting. I was learning new things. No, that's awesome. So how has that evolved or helped, you know, contribute to your company and your brand, your culture? So I think I, you know, the big part about me is I always like to keep things fresh and exciting. So I think, you know, 25 years having a brand, you know, by now I should, you know, be already outdated, a has been, you know, just it's, it loses, life gets stale. And so, so does a brand, right? And the thing that people fell in love with you in the first place, that just kind of fades over time. And so I think for me, since I personally like freshness and to keep things spicy in my life, 
I think I do that with my brand. So like I, about every seven years, I'll rebrand new logo, new packaging, you know, that sort of thing. I come out with new products, you know, a, a couple new products a year. So that's freshness. But I think it's just about keeping it fresh and exciting and just not getting stale. And so I think the rebranding every seven years has been kind of the key to my success because, you know, people love to know that you're still into it, you know, that you're still passionate mm -hmm. about it and you're still bringing the best of what you have to them. And so I think that's, you know, I, I think I've never gotten bored and just kind of let it, you know, it's like, I always think about like, going in like a canoe, right? In a bit in business, in the beginning, you're in that canoe and you're paddling as hard as you can, just trying to make it. And then if all goes well, every once in a while, you can put the, the oars up and you can just, you know, go back and put your feet up and relax. But eventually now the, the canoe slows down a little bit. So once it's kind of starts to slow down or even comes to a dead stop, then you got to get back in and row again. And so I've always kind of had that feeling about business where, you know, you can never stop rowing, right? You always have to be having forward momentum. And yeah, I think that's why after 25 years, we're still thriving. Cool, cool. Thanks for that. That's awesome. Um, so I'm not going to ask you about skin tips because you already told, told us there are nine different types, right? And this is like yeah. my background's physical therapy, right? And it's like somebody asking, what do you do for back pain? You're like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it depends on what's going on and where you're, yeah. right? So, but but maybe you can help folks out a little bit with, do you have any tips for how to look better on a, on zoom or on a camera? <laughs> yeah, this has been a big year of people staring at their faces more than they ever thought they wanted to. <laughs> yes. And, and we're all critical, you know, we're all like, Oh, is that what I really look like? Um, so, well, my first advice, and this kind of goes into a little bit um, being an early adopter and how, I started out kind of with my finger on the pulse of things that have served me well. I started, so I started as a commerce and content um, company, meaning we started e-commerce in 1999 and, and at and nine, or probably I think by about like 2000, a year later, I started writing skincare articles on my website. And so I was pushing out skincare content and skincare advice really early on. 2005, so I was doing that regularly. And then 2005, we officially started a blog, which was when we got onto WordPress. And so I have, you know, now all these years later, I still publish a new blog post every week. And that has been really um, the cornerstone of our company is that we've always pushed content out and free advice, meaning, you know, my tips aren't, oh, what should I do for my face, Renee? Great, use my products, right? It's, it's more like, free advice, you could read one of my blog posts, get a lot of education and never have to buy the products. And so early on, um, early on, which was amazing was no one was pushing out skincare content in 2000. And so I was doing that. And so Google, you know, was like, Oh, hey, what's this? And so search engines early on, were picking up all my content. So for years, I never had to pay a dime for anything because Google saw me as a trusted authority. And every day it was just like Christmas. It was just like, you know, raining traffic. I mean, it was just so much just daily gifts from Google, just pushing con pushing people to our blog. And so, so then eventually the algorithm changed about like four years ago, three years ago, maybe. Yeah about three years ago, they changed and we lost a lot of that natural organic mm -hmm. traffic. So, but it was such a good ride. I mean, we just, 
it was amazing. But so now, you know, we have to, we do Facebook ads and Instagram ads, things like that. But so the point is my best advice is um, to go to my blog, which is at renerelo.com and you can type in anything. I have well over a thousand posts. And so I have a lot of great information in there. Um, so if someone wants to get smarter about their skin and they want to really dive down, you know, drill into things, they can do that. So, but in general, you know, and this isn't like super earth shattering for anyone, but you know, sunscreen is always going to be the best thing because the number one reason why the skin ages is, is not smoking. It's not genetics. It's not even the passage of time. It is UV light on the skin. So the best thing you can do is, and we get UV light, 365 days a year penetrates through clouds. It's start, you know, you get it even in the winter, even on rainy days. So really the best thing you could do is wear a moisturizer that has sunscreen in it 365 days a year, because the whole thing is it's all about prevention, you know, so much harder once the damage is, you know, there to then try to reverse it. But, you know, if you're cutting out, you're not even getting a tan for it anyway, but you're getting the damage. So, you know, it's kind of like, you know, that's really the best thing. Um, so definitely daily sunscreen is important. And then, um, yeah, you know, just taking care of your skin and having a good little skincare routine. And, you know, once in a while, put a little mask on or do something special. I mean, just it's anything in life, any energy that you put towards something or something that you make kind of a priority, you'll get the results. So it's just, you know, it's just giving a crap about your skin is really what it is, Make you know, making time for it. And it doesn't have to be complicated. But just getting a skincare routine and using it faithfully morning and night is probably my best advice. Cool. Thank you. Um, so on the business side of things, I mean, time and prioritization, all that is always a challenge. It's always, you know, something that comes up with business owners. What uh, advice or tips do you have that have worked for you um, that you might want to share with the business owners struggling with, you know, that not having enough time idea? So the reason why we don't have t enough time is because we've, put so much on our plates, right? And when you're a business owner, you have to wear every hat. And I did that for so many years. Like I just, I couldn't, there were enough, not enough hours in it, you know, in a day and I did too much. So probably in the last four years, I've, I finally have kind of let go and delegated more. So there's an exercise where um, I, I would write down everything that I did, everything I did in a given day, given week, given month. And I would rank each one one to five. So five is, I love this. I could do this all day long. Give me more of this. Four is, yeah, I like it. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's kind of fun. I can do it. Three is, I mean, it's all right. You know, like I can do it, but it's not my favorite. Two is like, I really don't like this. It's not my jam. And one is, oh my gosh, good riddance. I don't want to do it. And your goal is to always be doing fives because the reality is the things that you love to do are the things you're inherently wired for. So in my company, something that's a one for me is a five for somebody else on my team. Right. So something, something that's a one for me is going to take me nine times longer because I'm going to get distracted. I'm going to procrastinate. I'm not good at it. I got to figure it out. And like where somebody, it's a five, they're like, love it, can do it with my eyes closed, can do this all day, next, next, you know, knock that out. And so I think that's always a good thing for anyone in your company is trying to make people do their fives and anything less than that is not where they should spend their time. So it's really about 
um, spending your time on the things that you're really good at and that you like, but those are the things that also really move the needle. I mean, mm -hmm. things, you know, because that's, that's where my superpowers are. And so, yeah. And then just get to a point where you can hire more and delegate more so that you can be doing all fives. That's awesome. Thank you. I love the structure too, for that. That's helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. So, you know, everybody from the outside, they look at, and you've seen this, I think it's one of the strengths of EO that you're a member of, um, is usually you're seeing, you know, the rainbows and unicorns and the best foot forward and all the successes <laughs> and that kind of thing. And, you know, I, we, we shared this before we were recording, but I was in EO for 10 years or so. You've been in for 13 plus. Um, you know, that's one of the strengths of that organization is you share with people and you see but it's not all, you know, rainbows and unicorns and flowers yeah. and stuff, right? There, there's other, there are other things going on. And I think that's one of the things that I really learned from that organization that was so important. And one of the things I see all the time now, you know, when you go behind the curtain and a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of business owners are frustrated that, you know, they're still dealing with this frustration or whatever, dealing with this challenge. And the dirty little secret is it doesn't matter how long we've been doing it or what we've been doing. There's a new challenge. There are new problems. There's new stuff. So what kind of things are you working on now? What challenges are you facing? What are you working? How are you working to overcome them? So I think, so my thoughts on all of that is first of all, yeah, it's, you're spinning so many plates in the air at all times mm -hmm. and you can't drop a plate, you know? And so there's a lot of pressure when you're an entrepreneur because you're kind of holding it all together. Now, of course, as you grow and you can rely on more people, then there's less pressure on you. But, you know, an entrepreneur, you know, when we go on vacation, we can't just put a out of office reply, right? Sorry, yeah. out of, you know, out of office. I mean, we need to be on call, you know, because we're problem right. solving all the time. And again, the goal, like I said, is to delegate more and get away from that. I think I'll share a very personal story that was um, a big crisis in my company um, three years ago. So three years ago, um, my husband was the COO of my company. And he joined my company about 12 years in. I needed a, a COO and he was the best person for the job. And three years ago, um, he got some sharp pains in his stomach and wound up in the hospital 36 hours later. And a week later, they told him he had six months to live. So he was my partner of 22 years. He was my COO. So he was a leader in the company. And our company was smaller then and we didn't have a lot of people to rely on. And you know, when I look back on that, it's like, you know, there's crises of all different magnitudes, but this one was a big one, right? Huge. We have a, you know, yeah. a leader in the company. I'm trying to, you know, we're trying to navigate chemotherapy and be, me being a caretaker for him. But these are the two leaders that are now facing a personal crisis and can't have as much hands-on time at, at work. And so, you know, that was, you know, I think what I learned a lot out of that was we had a much smaller team then. And so we didn't have as many people as, you know, many people to rely on and delegate to. So when you have a smaller team and all of a sudden, you know, he's, you know, navigating the last six months of his life, he ended up passing away two days shy of six months. And, but I'm also trying to not have regrets either. Like I don't want to be working the whole time business as usual. Like I'm trying to spend right. this last six months with him and, you know, I, I share this because there's always a crisis in the company, but I think what I really learned from that is 
because we kept the company kind of small and didn't delegate and kept control and didn't hire, you know, there weren't as many people to rely on. It was kind of all on, you know, all on us. I mean, they kind of call it like the bus factor, which is like, what Mm -hmm. happens if the owner gets hit by a bus tomorrow? Like what's going to happen? And so, so, you know, I, we, you know, navigated through that and, you know, I, when it comes to, there's always going to be problems and you're never going to be able to foresee what's around the corner. So you can't ever prepare for anything, right? Like he literally, you know, by the time his cancer showed symptoms, he was in stage four. So, I mean, it wasn't like it was this long drawn out thing or whatever. So I think, you know, learning from that is, is there's always going to be problems, some big, some, some small, but you know, you'll always kind of figure it out. It's not, you don't have the answers today. You don't have them tomorrow you always put one foot in front of the other. And I think, um, but again, as I've grown and I've grown a lot more since he passed away, we hired a, a new COO and he's been great. And the big, my big requirement from him was get me in the visionary seat of the company, you know, get, get some of these things. Let me just do fives. Like that's where I need to be. And so now fast forward two and a half years since my husband's passing, our company has actually grown so much yet I do so much less for the company. And so, you know, cause again, I'm doing fives. I don't have to do the fours, threes, twos, and ones anymore. Like I was doing. And so, okay. you know, really the, the, the lessons there is, yeah, there's always going to be problems. Trust that you will always find a way out of it, even no matter how big the crisis is um, you'll figure it out. And the nice thing about entrepreneurs is we are good problem solve, solvers. When there's a will, there's a way but you may not have the answers today, but you'll figure it out. Just one foot in front of the other. And then, yeah, just how important it is to delegate because the company is better when you're doing, you're playing to your strengths and you can't grow if you're kind of hanging on to everything yourself and trying to have control of it all. And you'll never have a life, you know, now I can go on, on, on a vacation and actually have a real vacation. And I couldn't do that for so many years. So yeah, so just growth and letting go in, EO, uh, in EOS, you know, we call it like letting go of the vine and delegating and trusting more, you know, it's, you know, I basically gave birth to a baby, but I held onto it so tight for so long. And it's an adult now, and it now needs to spread its wings and fly. And so that's really been the big turnaround that's happened in the last three years is, you know, I... Uh, yeah, just let go a lot, but my company's been better than ever as a result of it. Well, and I mean, that's a huge challenge and I've heard you talk about it before. And, I, you know, again, even though it's been a while, it's still um, very, very sorry about all of that, but you, you uh, sure. But I mean, you bring up a, a great point too, though, the more you've let go and allowed other people to do things, the more ironically, the more secure and stable your business has become. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, and it, you know, going back when I talked about being fearless, you know, I tend to be a little fearless in my personal life, but in, in, in business, I haven't always been so fearless because mm-hmm. hanging on to everything is, it gives you a sense of control. And, okay. and yes, it was hard to kind of let go and hire more and delegate more. But I mean, everyone's so hardwired to do their job the best way. You know, we do personality uh, testing in our company when we hire people. And so, you know, it's the whole like round peg, round hole thing. Like everyone's inherently wired to do their job. And, 
So it's kind of an EOS, we call it right person, right seat. Mm -hmm. And, but yeah, it's just been amazing how much letting go has just grown the company so much. I mean, it was like, I was getting in the way basically. And actually when my husband got sick, you know, he kind of held the purse strings in our company and he, he was kind of like a, a squirrel hanging on to every nut. Like he really liked to keep it, you know, like he didn't like to spend a lot. He was really tight with our money, which is great. Um, but he didn't like to hire a lot. And, and I used to say to him, Hey, like I need to hire somebody like, you know, we need, and Oh no, no. And he just, he didn't trust anyone else to do it but me. And so we really had a mom and pop kind of business for so long. But when he got sick, he said to me, Renee, you're a tiger in a cage that I've kept trapped, uh, kept trapped. It's time to let you out. And he recognized that he was holding me back because again, I was doing ones, twos, threes, and fours. And so he gave me permission to really spread my wings and fly. And now I'm in the visionary seat of the company. I'm able, my time is spent more on innovation and, you know, ideation. And, you know, I can, I have that time to just focus on the bigger picture and not as involved in the day to day. Well, that's great. Great for you. Great for you. Um, so what's your proudest moment in the 25 years of business? Yeah. Um, I have a proud, proud moment. I'll try not to get teary-eyed. Um, so when my husband got sick, he had many dying wishes because again, you know, he didn't die suddenly. He had time, you know, to think right. about his legacy and all that. So his wish was for us to get recognition as a best company to work for in Austin. And I'm happy to say that a year, uh, a year and a half ago, we got that. And that's also when I hired my COO, the requirement was, you know, make us a great company. I always knew I didn't want to be a big company. I wanted to be a great company. I said, but let's, let's try to get an award. And so, yeah, proudest moment is I made my husband proud. I mean, obviously, you know, he's, he's up there, but I know he, he knows. And, um, and to get that recognition, you know, just was amazing because it's, it was voted on like our, all of our team had to put in anonymous surveys and, you know, I, but I attribute a lot to EOS, you know, having entrepreneurial operating system, having all those processes in place. Mm -hmm. And we just hire so much smarter now and culture and vision. And we're all, you know, going back to my canoe analogy, we're all in the canoe. We're all rowing together in the right direction. There's clarity, communication. Everybody knows what's up. Like, you know, and that's when you don't have structure in a company and everyone's rowing in different directions. One guy's rowing backwards, one sideways, <laughs> boats are crashing. I mean, and when you think about it, like that's how it is in a lot of companies. And especially I'm here in Austin where there's so many startups and they get big money behind them and they have to grow as fast as humanly possible. Well, let me tell you, like, it looks all great when, you know, when you're written up in Inc. Magazine because your revenues are this and the valuation of your company is that and that's all fine and good. But talking about behind the scenes, trust me, I have a lot of colleagues like that and it is a bloody nightmare what goes on behind the scenes. And so that's, so that's another reason why um, I, I, can, I control my growth. I own 100% of the company. I will not 
sell my soul for the almighty dollar. I've had plenty of opportunities to be acquired and, you know, all sorts of opportunities. And I just say no. And because I don't think bigger is better. Um, I don't think, um, I just, I don't see how that's going to make me any happier. And in fact, it'll make me less happy because I think, you know, there's more greed, there's more problems. I always say more money, more problems. Like it just gets, it's like, I love the analogy of like a rock band. So anytime you watch like a documentary about like bands from the seventies, so let's just say right. like the Eagles or whoever. Right. And the story is the same, which is, which is they start out, you know, a couple of scruffy guys in the back of a van and they're broke, but they're so passionate about what they do. And they're just, you know, like they're going to die trying doing it. And then they finally get like their first gig in some shady nightclub or something and some bar and they're performing and there's two people in the audience, but they, they're like, we're still, we still love it. We're going to do it. And then slowly they play another gig and now three people show up and eventually four people and then a hundred people show up and now they have a base, you know, an audience. And then now they're like super excited because now, their passion is really blossoming into something. And then all of a sudden there's some manager out in the crowd that approaches the back space, you know, <laughs> right. back and says, Hey, you guys are really good. And I'd like to sign you on. And now they hit the lottery and now, now they're selling out stadiums and they're on worldwide tours. Well, guess what happens? Now there's infighting, right? Now there's always the front lead singer that feels like he does more work than the other ones. And he's really star, star of the show. And then, you know, like, it's just, <laughs> it all falls apart. And then all of a sudden the band breaks up because they all hated each other and because greed and money and ego and all of that gets in the way. And, but then eventually they get back together later because they're like, all right, we need the money now. So we'll just, we're adults now, we'll get along. We won't talk to each other on stage. We won't interact, but we'll do it for the paycheck. But the point is, is that anytime I watch those documentaries, when they talk about their journey of their, of their you know, careers, they light up the most when they talk about those early days when they were, you know, scrappy. And, you know, that's when, that's where the magic was. And because that's, it was a challenge and they were fighting and they were like going to die trying. And so I've always tried to, even though my company's, you know, on the, it's not on the bigger side, but it's still considered like a small business, but you know, it's, I still always want it to feel like a startup. I want it to still have a lot of problems that we have to figure out. Right. I don't want to <laughs> have it on autopilot where like rinse and repeat every day. Problems are good because it's fun to solve problems. And, you know, I want, to grow. I still want to grow because I don't want to, I don't want that canoe to stand still, right? It's still fun to grow and still have new goals, but I don't want it so insanely big that it's just too many fingers involved and it just all blows up. So yeah. Well, you're growing and cool. you're growing in other ways and evolving. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So bigger isn't better. Better is better. Yes. <laughs> yep. Perfect. So what's one big thing that you've learned recently that you wish you had known, you know, 10 years ago? Um, I wouldn't say it's something that I wish I had known, but more something that I, I realized fairly recently that I'm glad I did. Can I give that as an answer? Sure. Yeah. So 
I've always viewed our vendors as business partners. So a lot of times when you're the customer or the client, when you don't get your way, you act like a spoiled brat and you can treat mm -hmm. your vendors, you didn't do this and yelling at them all the time and not treating them well. And I've always viewed them as like, hey, listen, this is a partner of ours. Like we can't do what we do if we don't have them, right? Like we mm -hmm. don't, we use contract manufacturers to make our products. So like we don't have our own in-house chemists. So like I need them. So I've always treated them with kindness because again, they're, they're like a business partner to us. And so, you know, I like to, before I, you know, get involved with any vendor, I, I fly to them personally. I want to meet the founder of the company, make sure we're on the same page with our goals. I mean, it's really, it's a relationship. And so, mm -hmm. You know, oftentimes we'll send our vendors, you know, holiday gifts to say thank you and just, you know, really having a good relationship. Like these are important people to our success. So with that being said, when, when COVID happened, when the pandemic happened, you know, everyone shut down, including our labs. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what that means? We don't have any inventory. So luckily, you know, we had tremendous growth, but we, we have plenty of inventory, but we knew at some point we're going to be running out. And mm -hmm. So we reached out to our labs ahead of time and said, hey, you know, when everyone gets back up and running again, you're not going to know who's standing anymore. Like who's going to live, who's, you know, who's not, who's going to close up shop, whatever. So we reached out to them proactively and said, hey, we want to let you know that we're thriving and we would love to get our products made as soon as you're back in business. Um, we're willing to even pay up front, you know, we can kind of give you the money to get going because we know they're having a hard time too, because sure. their money came to a stop. And we just said, we'd love to make sure we're front in line, uh, first in line when you get open. And so and I think it's really because we've always had such good relationships. So the minute they open, we were first in line, like they cater to us because they like us. It's, we have a good relationship. We're not that, that pain in the you know what customer that like, uh, you know, like, never be that, that customer, because when you really need them, you really need them. And so just treat people with kindness. But that was definitely an example that came up that if we didn't treat them well, and have a good relationship, we may we may not have been first in line. Right, right. Yeah, no, that's such an important kind of life lesson, too, right? It's like yelling at the people at the gate at the airport. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> they have so much power and control that you don't even know about, right? Or the exactly. front desk at the hotel, or exactly. you, you name it. All these people have to put up with us all the time. Just exactly nice, right? Um, yeah. Cool. So, is there a book or article or resource or anything that you would recommend that other business owners check out? You mentioned EOS and the book Traction a couple times. Any anything else? Oh yeah, the book track. Yeah, the book Traction for sure. Um, I, I listen to, I'm more into like podcasts and more into listening because I can kind of like work out, listen to something. So I don't sure. necessarily buckle down with a book, but um, I, uh, I mean, there's always what's the Jim Collins, good to great. Is that what mm -hmm. it's called? Right. Good to great. That's a, that's one I try to read every couple of years just to kind of keep that top of mind. Um, you know, I listen to like the podcasts, like, uh, Guy Raz, you know, I love any story mm -hmm. uh, or how I, how I did this. Is that which one? Guy Raz, is that his? I don't know the name of his, but I'll check it out. Okay. But anyways, yeah. 
Guy Raz, let me look it up real quick. How how I built this. Yeah, so his is a really good podcast. Um, I think Inc.com has one as well I listen to. But anything that is about entrepreneurs and um, listening to people's stories. Because I'm a storyteller, but I also... Part of being an EO is people sharing their experiences of what to do, right. what not to do, what worked, what didn't work. And so anytime any entrepreneur is, is interviewed, I think those, those are always fascinating to me because everyone's journey is so different. But if you can kind of learn lessons and learn mistakes from what people made, I think that's, that's always really helpful. I also, right. sorry, I also listen to um, the uh founder podcast f-o-u-n-d-r so it's called not your average entrepreneurship podcast that's a good one um so yeah but they're always i listen to any ted interviews you know ted talks are always great but yeah just things that make me learn oh well maybe you'll listen to the focus forward business podcast or yes add it to my list stories yeah from the past game coming up so awesome love it any other thoughts you want to leave us with before we wind up? Um, I'll definitely say that entrepreneurship isn't for everyone. It's very <laughs> glamorized. Um, yes. You yes. know, everyone wants to be their own boss, their own business owner. And I think there's a lot of pressure on people to, to start their own business. But getting working for someone else is like getting paid to learn. And you should get as much experience as you can working on someone else's dime before you have to do it on your own dime. And because, yeah, like it just, you know, the reality is having a business, I mean, even if you go to the best business school on the planet, I can assure you that they'll never prepare you for what the, the problems that you cannot even imagine are going to come your way. Like they just can't teach that in school. And so I just think never be in a rush uh, because when, when you start a business, it's sink or swim. And the reality is most people sink, you know, within five years. And so, and, and they learn some valuable lessons and that's always, you know, super good. But I just think it's, it's not that easy. It, it's tremendous sacrifice. You know, I mean, I, I gave up so much during my twenties, you know, friends were out partying and going to college and having fun. And I had all this responsibility from a young age and yeah, just a lot of sacrifices. I mean, it's, it's 24 seven. It's, it kind of is never ending and you have to be ready for that because the reality is the secret to success is working really really hard and that means you really can't do anything else but work I mean you can't you know the whole work-life balance so sorry like there's no work-life balance it's all work if you really are trying to build something and you can't keep your eye off the ball so um I think uh I think people just need to be prepared for that reality well thanks for that I remember a quote from I think he may have even stolen it but when Steve Jobs said it's amazing how many uh, overnight successes happen after 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, well, congratulations again on the best place to work award that you guys got. I mean, thank you. Sticking with it for 25 years and staying fresh. That's all awesome stuff. And thank you very much for being here, Renee. I really, really appreciate it. 
Thanks, Dirty. Keep up the great work on your end. And thanks for the opportunity for me to share my story about 25 years. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening.